Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. It's Reese in America. Hi, everyone. We're going to continue our series on overcoming negative thoughts. And today we're going to talk about the thought, no one cares about me. I, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time not intellectualizing as a coping skill, which means that I, I I take my brain away from thinking about these things emotionally because it's really painful and I have to just think about them scientifically or void of emotion as a way to cope with them. And I can tell that talking about these negative thoughts, it's like, it's very taxing. Yeah. It's funny to me that you say that though, babe, because most often when we have conversations, I'm the one that's intellectualizing everything. <laughs> and you're on the other side, like, no, let's let's think about this. But this is this intrusive thought of no one no one caring about me. I think it's it's hard to acknowledge that we have this intrusive thought because it feels so powerful. Maybe I'm saying that because you know, last week we talked about I'm a failure, which is one I really worked through in my 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. But this thought, no one cares about me. This is my thought. This the clincher, huh? I mean, it's very much tied to like, I am worthless, which we're going to do next. So I'm going to try and focus in on why I, no one cares about me is is similar to but distinct from I am worthless. But for me, those two thoughts are, they're like, look at me, I'm like, freaking sweating already. <laughs> I'm like going to cry or so, feel like I need to go in the fetal position to protect myself. <laughs> I do feel like they are are very they're like cousins to one another. Yeah, so, but but no one cares about me is worse I think for me in my brain than I am worthless because I've spent more of my life thinking that I'm worthless, but I know that the underlying thought to I'm worthless is that no one cares about me and that's the right. one I've been avoiding my whole life. Yeah, that's the so let, let me ask you in, in the way that I know your story and and everything that we've talked about in the podcast, I would feel like the no one cares about me is tied to the big T trauma. A, a lot of the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. It's tied to trauma, man. It's tried. It's tied to, you know, in, in psychology, we talk a lot about your sibling position, your birth position. Mm -hmm. I was the last and the narrative in my family is that I was a mistake. Like what it means to be born into a family where somebody doesn't want you. Which I I relate to people who I've been reading articles with who are are adult survivors of abortion, you know, where 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 they were like, Well, my mom couldn't have an abortion, so she had me. Which is like my mom chose not to have an abortion. She chose to have me, but then she spent her whole life telling me how difficult it was to have me. Mm. And then because I was basically uncared for, I was put in a lot of situations that were ultimately dangerous, of which resulted in other traumas where the resulting consequence of that was like, did you just not even consider my feelings when, or thoughts or safety <laughs> right. when, when, when I told you that I was being abused and you basically ignored it or downplayed it or didn't want to ask questions about it or told me that was no big deal or whatever. And I still struggle with that because it's kind of unresolved. 
that you know how we have talked about the like the sack of flour remember a long time ago we talked yeah. about the sack of flour that you carry and like little bits of flour like slip out right this this bag of flour is full yeah <laughs> that yeah. no one cares about me bag of flour is full to the max yeah. for sure and and that's what i that's what i hear in in what you're sharing right that yeah it's still there you you got to carry it with you and oftentimes you try to not focus on it but it's still a big ass bag of flour and I've avoided it. I mean, that's yeah. I'm I'm full disclosure. Like we're talking today, and over the last year and a half, I've had hints like telling me in my brain, you know, you're gonna have to address this at some point. Mm -hmm. This bag is gonna explode because it's definitely weighing you down. And mm -hmm. I'm like, but even like talking to you right now, it's it's so it's so painful. And part of it is you know, with sometimes with these negative thoughts, they're so tied to our experiences that are unresolved. And, and it feels like the power and what it is in control is not always in the realm of your control, you know? Right. Total oh, God, yes. Like with the failure thing, even reflecting on that, that thing, because we only spent 20 minutes talking about it. But even with I'm a failure, you're like, what if I did not have evidence in my life that I can lean on as success, I would still be being like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still a failure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And what what's within your realm of control? So here it's like, oh, I'm waiting for other people or like what, what, what's within my control right. to tell me that I matter, like for you to show up and, and show me in your behaviors that I, I do matter. Like, can right. I wait and around so forever? Be validated in, in your experience. But, you know, from what you share, though, Teresa, um, what really comes to the forefront is the fact that whether your mom from the beginning shared, right, her, not whether, when she shared that information with you, and it's like, okay, this is part of my identity because that's what you've come to really embrace it as, right? And then it gets embedded into every other single aspect of your life. So then you question all the time. So if if I become your friend, be like, really, why do you want to be my friend? Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I second guess, why does anybody want to be my friend? Do I have friends? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's, that one's weird. It's like, do I actually have friends who know me? Right. Do I even allow people to know me? Because, yeah, if no one cares about me, then I'm not worth caring about. And so I should just be a husk <laughs> or just supportive of other people to do the best that I can. But no one really knows me or cares about who I am as a real human being. Well, I care about you as a human being. But that does, let me, let me ask you, I'm, I'm saying this, but I realize this is a question. Even though I say that to you, in your mind, is there like a wall, more like a tennis racket, like, boom, nope, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pick yeah. up every little bit. Like you just said, oh, I care about you as a human being. I'm like, oh, because you care about human beings, not because you care about me. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. I care about you, Teresa. Well, and then I'm like, well, how do you know? Because you don't even know me. I'm like, we haven't spent time together or I haven't let you know me. I mean, you and I actually spend the most time together out of probably a lot of people because we do this podcast together. And so I feel like I've come to know you. And I and because of that, I do like this is the way I have to rework the thought, right? It's like, no, America has spent time with you. She does know you, idiot. Stop it, you know? Yeah. But that that frame, right? Like when you start thinking about this, 
It's that little troll, another little troll that just sits in the back that is always going to be ready to jump on any any kind of negative thing that you are perceiving as negative, right? And it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, that thing that they said is because they don't actually care about you. You've you've been mistaken by believing that these people are your friends. <laughs> but that's the feeling of it, right? But the underlying tone of this conversation is this connection to feeling like you don't have, I'm going to say value and having to counter that on a consistent basis to move forward. Yeah. Which is where the I'm worthless is, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. if if we focus in on the no one cares about me, I think we have to root this as distinct from I'm worthless by focusing on the relationship aspect of it. Because when I think about no one caring about me, it really has a lot to do with isolation mm -hmm. and identity. Like no one cares about me. Am, am I invisible? Have I made myself invisible on purpose? I mean, part of that is rooted in, in the trauma too, right? Like I was told that my trauma was not meaningful. So as a result, I learned to suppress my needs. Right. Making myself invisible. And once I learned that that was wrong and that's not my fault, I still was left with this feeling like, well, why did you even put me in that position? Why didn't you care enough about my needs as much as your own needs, even though I was the one being abused or you had me, like you still had some responsibility to me. And I will say this is really hard and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud on a podcast, but like my mom is old now. And one of the things I wrestle with is guilt and anger because mm -hmm. she spent her entire life not taking care of me. And now that she's old, she wants me around. And every time I go to see her, a bit of me is just like angry. Mm -hmm. That's understandable. Which, which is weird because I have never been angry with my mom because prior to this stage of our lives, the only way I coped with my mom was to dismiss her in the same way she dismissed me. <laughs> out of out of what you share, though, Teresa, there is this connection to the relational aspect of this, right? Because you are, my experience, your experience is based on the fact that we are putting ourselves in front of somebody else and saying, well, if you don't care about me, but you care about something else or yourself you for someone else. Yes. Yeah. You yes. are prioritizing yourself yes. or someone else or something else mm -hmm. over me. me. And it does feel like in certain relationships that you should have value, right? Like yeah. people yeah. see imagery of people and families where it seems like people care or you see it like it's really kind of screwy because sometimes even in the family people are like oh we're so great and we're so close and I'm the one that's like are you kidding me yeah like what do you all experience this and I'm the one that doesn't which also just makes you wonder is it my depression that isolates me from people is it rooted in reality or is it true and all these people are just fake. <laughs> where where mind mind goes when you share all this is the connection that I think comes about when you feel very isolated in your experience and you think like nobody else understands this. Yeah. 
because in every other way that I can see, people are people are doing stuff for you. People are paying attention to what you say. People are, you know, giving you things. And when you start comparing, I think there is an issue in how you then interpret that and internalize it. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting you talk about comparisons because comparisons is a kind of thinking trap that we fall into. And I I fall into comparisons the most with this negative with this, thought. Uh-huh. I think because it's still rooted in so much pain, right? It's hard not right. to go to comparisons. So uh, yeah, like I watched a TikTok video the other day and someone had like 10 friends and I was like, how do you have 10 friends or something? <laughs> Like, I'm trying like 15 people care about you enough to show up at a party, which, oh my God, talk about big trauma and small trauma. Let me tell you, I also had a birthday party where my family tried to throw me a birthday party. And then as part of the birthday party, didn't invite anybody. So no one showed up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> this is why I hate birthday parties. Man. But I also interpreted it as like, oh my God, I don't have any friends. Like, did they invite anybody? And did any of my friends show up? But in the end, like, I think like three people showed up and I was just like, I guess I only have three friends or whatever, like two friends. <laughs> when I think about this experience though, and, and what you've shared and, and how it connects to different ways that I've thought about this, it's most often has been connected to... You, something you said earlier around, um, you, well, you don't really know me, right? You don't really know the real me, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. It's like, what, what is this monster that lives inside of you that you are not showing people and that if you really showed people, you'd be deemed this monster so nobody would care about you, right? Oh, gosh. Damn you, America. Why do you have to ask such pointed questions? This isn't therapy. I'm <laughs> just kidding. This literally, if any of you is listening and never been in therapy, this is what a good therapy session loads look like. Um, I hate you so much. Yeah, I, I think that because there, I wonder how much large parts of my life I put forth a fake me or what I call the performative Teresa. Yeah. So like the performative Teresa like takes care of people, is funny, is energetic, and that is exhausting to the real Teresa. And COVID basically let me lean into the real Teresa and you know that I'm more curmudgeon I probably want to just wear warm socks and talk to no humans ever. <laughs> so it's very interesting because if I'm not turning on my performative me, which now I can only do when I'm drinking that's very interesting or you know what i mean when i'm like let loose and not in my brain with my anxiety yeah but if i'm anxious and i'm just myself my regular unmedicated brain i'm pretty quiet because i'm like in my own head and then i'm like oh i don't really say anything like i spent this whole time at this party and i didn't really say anything all of these aspects though of this feeling uh, and this thought are are connected to in your in your experience, right? They're connected to early childhood uh, traumas that are still embedded in who you are, right? And the larger kind of part of that is this idea that once that little pebble gets in your shoe, it's there, and it's so hard for then you to take it out, even though you're really trying. 
to be like, I can still walk. This pebble's not hurting me. This pebble's not hurting me. I'm good. I'm good. And then by the end, you have like, you know, a hole in your freaking shoe and your foot because this thing hurts so much. Part of that is also, I feel the pain that exists within this frame. I feel that. I hear that too in your voice. So when we really think about how do we get from a place of feeling like nobody cares about us to then say, okay, I actually do think maybe this person does care. And you have to work extra hard to then take in whatever you're being given because you have to receive, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And not automatically be like, boom, no sucker. I don't believe you at all. Oh, yeah. That's why when someone does something to show that they care, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have to take extra work to receive with intention what they're trying to put out and not to push it back, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's easier to bounce back words, like you said. Like when you say, oh, I care about you, it's easier to go boo-boo when when people say, well, I do care about you or you are my friend, blah, 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 right? Which is itself a practice. Like you have to – say no stop doing that don't don't push back every little positive thing that's trying to tell you that someone cares about you but when somebody does something that shows that they care it's harder to do that with you know i don't know what do they say actions speak louder than words so like i had a sister who sent me like a birthday like uh, one sister sent me flowers and another one who sent me um something because i turned 40 i was like oh that's really nice I had to sit with that a little bit and try not to compare and be like, dude, when when y'all turned 40, there was a freaking party, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like that's that's what that looks like. You know, it's it's like, yeah, you like, why did I dismiss that they did do something nice for me by going to compare what they all did for each other? But what you're talking about really in, in all of this is it, it it becomes a trap, right, that if you don't figure out how to hit pause or automatically bounce back from this negativity, then everything that we talked about, like the the bag of flour, the pebble, it just becomes so much bigger than you are. And that's like in any any one of these intrusive thoughts really has that power, right? It can become much bigger than you are and it take over your overall kind of thought processes that are just like overwhelmingly, I'm like, nope, I have no value. I suck. I do nothing of worthiness of any kind of the world. And I'm just going to be like the worst human being ever. Yeah. In my practice, I have to say, okay, what's a healthier thought? What is it? Talk through. Is that rooted in reality? Quit it, blah, blah, blah. And that's the practice that I live to basically cope Mm -hmm. with the intrusive thought. But the problem is the intrusive thought is still rooted in immense pain. So that sack of flour is never offloaded because I'm never confronting the people who I should confront to clarify if they care about me or not or to confront them when they do things that are hurtful and to tell them like, hey, you think that what you just did when you like dumped on me and cried or whatever, that that somehow makes you think that you cared about me doesn't make me think that you care. You're still using me. So it's just like there's when you live in relationship and trauma, like 
especially because I I cannot just leave the people who are related to my trauma. Like they're still every day in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's like I can unpack that bag, but if I'm not unpacking it well or appropriately, it's still getting dumped in. So, so it's very hard to not think this thought, you yes. know? Because I keep getting evidence of how it's true. And at some point I just there's some kind of transformation that has to happen either in me or the other people or the situation or something that's so profound that it's going to seriously change this bag. Okay, two things and I and I have to I don't know if this is going to be coherent, but one that comes to mind. In everything that you just said, it's still like you the external person are still not showing up. Yeah. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. One, that's tied to our expectation. So is it necessary to push the action to that person to modify or for us to modify? Because that person may not be willing, can't do it, doesn't have the capacity. So it's up to us to then do something with that. That's what people always say, right? They're like, you can't control your, you can't control others. So control yourself and what you have control over. I mean, this is why I'm alive today. Like I, I make a choice to, I have to make a cognitive choice to value myself and remind myself that there are the people I've also taken a lot of time to say, you know, if my family is not going to show me, I have value. I have a, I have to go find people like friends Mm -hmm. or you know, my coworkers show me that they care and spend a lot of time with them. And that, that does work. You know, I think that, yeah, I mean, letting go of the expectation is a part of that change that we talked, I talked about, like something has to change. So now that even though that bag of flour that no one cares about me, it's probably morphed. You're probably right. That bag of flour is probably like, it says something like my family doesn't care about me, but now Mm. I have other bags that are not, that are full of people who do care about me in other ways. And it's probably only most triggering to think about, you know, does your family care about you versus like, oh, do you have friends who care about you? Today, I probably feel more comfortable saying yeah. I have friends, but you know, my my fourteen year old me probably was like, "Yeah, no, I got no friends." The other, <laughs> I have no one. the other thing that I was going to say is that part of this is a is a restructuring that has to occur around. I want to call them barriers, but they're not barriers. I'm going to call them protective factors, where. I'm going to call them pillows, right? I'm going to put pillows up around me that I know like these people, they can't be changed in any way. These other people, definitely something that I can do here. And then finding ways for me to then feel connected and less likely to engage in this intrusive thought because I have increased my capacity to be able to put these pillows up around me. Do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense what I just said? Yes. I think the way I relate to that is part of my protective factors that I do to protect myself is take the people I do know care about me Mm -hmm. and surround myself with those people. And with my husband, for example, he, he also is so aware of the way that my dynamics with my family that he becomes protective of me with them. Mm, Okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and that's a new experience. And I'm like, I almost don't even know how to manage that emotionally. I'm like watching him get angry <laughs> for me. And I'm like, what is 
happening <laughs> because I've never experienced that, you know, right. for someone to protect me. Like, yeah, he's becoming your show, superhero. Yeah. yeah, to show that they care, you know, so those things are very painful. So you watch, I'm watching it with this, like, is very deeply emotional thing. It's really kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Which to me is the first step. I have to rework the thoughts. Of course. But to recover full life, like I have to. You got to dive deep. I got to go into the feelings and I got to, I have to heal, right? Yeah. So. It is, it, it really is um, a healing that has to occur, right? Because like any wound, it, it takes time, dude. But part of this experience, I think is so closely connected to how we want to believe we we should be treated and that is very powerful in in believing that you should be treated a certain way so that's important and the other um is in being able to say that out loud yeah i deserve better yeah which puts us perfectly to i am worthless <laughs> which is our next our next topic. All right guys, take a take a deep breath cuz we're going to take a deep breath. Keep on fighting. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk to you next week. Thanks guys.